everybody. Welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Guys, we're back. Yeah, I got lost there for a second. You yeah. went, you it felt like you went so fast, but it's it's not. It's just the normal thing. I was just my brain's <laughs> at half speed. Is that what happened since we went on hiatus? Your brain just sort of slowed down a little bit. It was like no need to keep thinking quite so hard. Well, I'm still getting I'm still getting accustomed to this meat sack that I'm in. Oh my god. <laughs> I've never I've never been I've never gotten adjusted to having a meat sack. You haven't. And as we so this week we read Love Quote. Um the it, yes. So <laughs> for anybody week- who's asking why I'm at, talking about meat sack <laughs> so early in the show, I usually wait till way later. <laughs> We read uh, Love Code, Galactic Love Number 2 by Anne Aguirre, um, the the second, the sequel to Clayton's favorite book, Strange Love. Yes. Um, and as I was reading this book, I was like, this will send Clayton into a crisis. <laughs> no, I just really related <laughs> to it. I mean, I guess we're just going to have to jump right in. Well, let's I- do what we normally do first, which is... Judge the cover. Judge the cover. So this book was a serialized, was given out like serially, I think by her, by Anne on her website or her oh. her newsletter, um, which I found really interesting and kind of old school, which I liked. So we ended up with we have two different covers. Yes, I I noticed that because you did the show notes, and is one of them the Kindle and the other one is the is the paperback or because I don't know the first one that you have here it just seems like a series of like wires or synopsis or whatever what are those synapses and it says love code and it's kind of a cool look but the second one has I believe helix his meat body mm-hmm. and just on the cover just a head the head of helix and it says love code and I prefer that one just because it looks more like the previous book. So it's more of like, it seems like it's a series. Mm-hmm. But it's it, the thing about her books is that you can't really judge them by the cover. Because what's inside them is so much more interesting than just an alien on the cover, you know? Yeah, I like the one that is sort of, like you said, it looks like synapse. And it also, it, it looks like a brain scan of like nerves and things, but also there are like glowing blue dots. So it looks like a little bit modern too. And it's just like an interesting visual representation of like what an AI in a an inorganic, in an organic body would look like. Yeah, And then Love Code, the other one that has the picture of Helix, I guess. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's I just agree, more though. consistent with, with yeah. the, the previous one. So if I had these physical books, I'd probably want the the one with Helix on the cover. Well, Clayton, what was this book about? Okay, so this book was about Helix, who is the AI that we met in Strange Love. He was actually the reason why our hero and heroine got together. And it was out of it was a deceitful act. And Helix was kind of a villain, a little bit, but we come to learn in this book that Helix ended up being somebody who saved a child and got in trouble 
by taking over a space station as an AI just going in and infiltrating the system and stealing a bunch of money. And so there were people after him. But that happens later. What we find out at the beginning... Yeah, let me start at the end and then get back to the beginning. (laughs) I miss these recaps. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So a spaceship crashes and Kualu, that's what I'm going to go with, has found an AI in this crash ship and she puts the AI into an organic body, uh, a trillion, which is what sh- she is. And it's it's kind of almost a weird science situation. Mm-hmm. But Anne is kind of able to sidestep a lot of the problems with that. Not all, but most. And so Quelu is teaching Helix how to be inside a a meat sack this they find out a bounty hunters after helix they leave the planet they go on an adventure eventually what happens is that the bounty hunter that was after helix tooth crag or toth crag ends up getting the bounty well, the bounty just gets canceled because Helix is able to disperse the money that he stole back to the people he stole it from. But he keeps a little bit of the the money he made off of it in interest so that they're rich now, which is cool. And then he, Helix and Quelu end up together. Did that work? <laughs> Did I do good? yeah yeah it's just it's always just so funny to read a book and then have it described back to you and the things that I thought were important you not mentioning and then other things you like clearly finding very important and stuff it's just it's just funny it's just interesting what did you think was important that I didn't mention in that recap um, well, you didn't mention sort of like the way that there are like the love bonds that are on Trillian and you didn't mention, um, AV, the, her like pet cat kind of thing. Well, I mean, we could get into the system of love that exists in this book because it's yeah. interesting. What are you, well, what were your first impressions? Like, what did you think of the book? Okay, well, I really was into it at the beginning because of reasons we'll get into, but once they went on their adventure and went off planet, I was a little bit less interested in it. Mm -hmm. And this is a shorter book because, like you said, it was serialized so it it didn't feel that way though reading it like I didn't feel like this had been split up into tiny little pieces but it did feel shorter than Strange Love which I'm never against a shorter book but it did it, it there was something about Helix and Kualu once they got together with other people I was less interested in their relationship than when they were kind of isolated I found Mm -hmm. that was very interesting because the real tension in this book for me was Kualu makes the perfect person for her because her family unit, 
is pressuring her to find a mate. And she's turned down a bunch of different people. And she was working on making an organic body and found Helix, which we also find out that Helix actually contacted her or kind of not contacted her, but lured her to the crash site in order for him to be able to get into this body. So Kualu was feeling really bad about taking this AI and putting it into a body against its will, but it really ended up being Helix pulling the strings. So that gave Kualu like this idea of, oh, I didn't do a Frankenstein. This (laughs) is more of an agreement, which I thought was interesting. It doesn't really change that much, actually, because Kualu put Helix into this perfect body. And then was kind of responsible for him. And it creates this level of, you know, if you're taking care of somebody and you're their sole source of anything, if you take sexual advantage of them, that can be a sticky, bad situation. Right, right. So that was the thing that was getting sidestepped here, I thought, pretty well at the beginning because... Helix is weirded, weirded out about being touched because he's new to an organic body. And Kualu's like, just tell me when I can touch you. And like, consent's a very huge part of this book, which I thought was really refreshing and interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, but all that stuff just kind of goes by the wayside once it's an adventure. And so I know you have to have sequences of action or something propelling this forward, But I did lose a little bit of what made me really like this book at the beginning once the action kicked in. What what are your thoughts? I agree. Where I think it was really interesting because, you know, she's like a scientist. This is her life's work is is creating this like organic body and trying to integrate and trying to show that AI and basically like inorganic life forms like can be life forms and all these things and can have lives and stuff and then yeah i agree when they're on her planet and you know she's trying to get him to pretend to be her boyfriend for her mothers who really want her to be partnered up and i was like oh this is really fun that this is like an alien romance but it's like a fake relationship turned real which is like it it the idea of having like this very old trope that you normally see, like mostly in historicals and having it be set in an alien romance. I'm like, that's really fun. And that's really interesting. Like, let's like, let's do it. And I felt like that got really pushed to the wayside again. Yeah. Once they leave the planet and it was too much. And I think the reason why I liked strange love and I don't love a lot of other sci-fi books, sci-fi romances is that they're so much like explanation and there's so many characters and all the characters have these names that are like hard to pronounce and hard to remember and there's a lot going on and also it's not like people are just human so then you have to always have like in your mind okay well what does this one look like and what does this one look like and what are these persons like powers and all these things and it gets to be really confusing and overwhelming and I think that was done really well in Strange Love and I think this that was done well here at the beginning but then once they left the planet, it was like they were on this ship and then they were in this underground, underwater place and there was this person and that person. And it all just got to be too. And I really like felt very bored and it was slowed down. And it, 
I don't know. I I don't know if I was also just disappointed because I felt like the book was going in a certain direction and then it took like a hard right. And I don't know if that's become part of like, obviously, we don't know anything about Anne Aguirre. We don't know like her writing process, but it's like, I don't know if she maps everything out ahead of time, but it felt like maybe if she was serializing it, she just sort of was like, oh, actually, what if we do this? And what if we do this? And there, there didn't seem to be a very like a straight through line consistency, which I felt was frustrating. So it's like, I really loved the beginning of the book. And then when they were back on Trillian, I really loved that part too. But the whole part of them just like flitting around, I was so bored. Yeah, because you know? it, it, it becomes very anticlimactic at the end because Toth Craig just doesn't do anything. He ends right. up being a feared person who then is never really a threat. It's a, mm-hmm. He's a looming threat, but then when you meet him, you know just touches the touches his weapon to helix's shoulder and is like i found you but i'm not gonna kill you because i'm not getting paid which is cool i like that and Mm. spoiler 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 looks like he's gonna be the next hero in the third book Mm. along with him and a human the human that they see at this exhibit where uh you can go and see all these uh, different species, I guess, in their natural habitat. And there's this uh, woman sitting there trying to f- finish a puzzle. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know who's going to be our next heroine is her. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of psyched for it. I'm uh, Even after this being kind of a letdown, mm-hmm. I'm psyched for it. But I will say, the parts of this book that I liked, I really liked. And the things that it made me think about were so important and gave me a different view that that's what I think Anne is so good at is that she takes something like an alien romance which both of us are just not really huge fans of and can weave in these ideas that are important to daily interactions or just romance between humans and humans Mm -hmm. because i really resonated with the fact that helix at first felt really threatened by touch just it 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 just seemed like it was an kind of a what's the best word for it an intrusion and you know it's weird I when I'm with somebody that I really love and I'm like in a relationship and stuff, I love touch. I'm huge into that. But if I'm not in a relationship with somebody, I actually don't really like being touched all that much. Mm-hmm. And I think we're a society where communication is so bad between all people and especially people of different sexes, but also people that are wanting to be in a relationship with each other that that's maybe not even thought about all that much. I like to be touched a lot, but maybe my partner doesn't or not in this way or not in that way. So it's really interesting to have someone start from zero, like Helix, with a body mm-hmm. and see the different ways that they become accustomed to it and comfortable with it. Because when you think of like a young person, right? they're not comfortable in their body most of the time. So these kind of things that happen to them 
can be difficult and hard to talk about with not wanting to say to somebody, hey, I don't really like to be touched, will make them feel like they're doing something wrong when it's really just a proclivity that should be understood. You know, like the consent thing here was interesting. If you take away the fact that Kualu made this person really hot, that's the one thing that really kind of breaks down this whole idea that Helix can be fallen in love with separate from that. Like his physicality has too much to do with. Yeah, because I really love this. Helix is able to start doing art because Kualu's like, well, what do you like? And they figure out what Helix likes. And Helix has always been about servitude because he's an AI and his whole deal is, I'll get you what you want. That's my purpose. I'm here to help you, period. And with Kualu, it's like she allowed him to figure out what he wanted to do and just really dive into it. And it was hard for Helix to come around to that. And he says, before I thought I was close to someone, but I always felt the crushing need to be useful as if I would be discarded otherwise. I'm not sure how I fit into a world where I receive benefits regardless of my contributions. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like that is, <laughs> I, I mean, the fact that I'm reading this out to you means that that's like so much to think and say. And it hits so many things because we all, I think, feel that way. We all feel mm-hmm. like if we if we aren't this, then we're not worthwhile. Like for me, if I can't make my friends laugh, then I'm useless, mm-hmm. right? And that's a bad way to feel. Like me being entertaining should be an added bonus as opposed right. to the one thing keeping me with people who care about me. But the thing that breaks this down to me is that Helix is really hot. And there's something about really good looking people that as long as they're good looking, they can do things where they don't have to really contribute. And they are, people want them around because they're good to look at. Now that can really start to waver once someone gets older or if their personality is so bad that it it, it can't make up for or it, or it starts to detract from their physical appearance, which can happen. But Helix just happens to be a really good dude who is really caring and learns all the right lessons. But that was the one thing that stuck with me is that if Kualu would have made an Ugo, then I think things would be different. What do you think? I- I don't know about that because also it's like one if you're going to make a person why not make them hot like it would seem weird for her to be like yeah let's just like slap anything together so that's fine but also I do think with attractiveness it's like I think it's such a bigger thing you know I think it's like to look to meet somebody for the first time and if you think they're attractive you're like wow he's hot or she's hot whatever And then I think if you talk to them or as you experience them, the way that you view their physicality changes. And I don't know if this is like a female thing versus a male thing, which is like very possible. But I've just thought of the people who I have thought were like super hot and were really nice guys, you know, were really nice people. And I just like continue to think they were really hot. 
And then I met like a very famous actor who is known as being very handsome. And there are a lot of like, there were a lot of Tumblr accounts like dedicated to how handsome this guy was. And he really rubbed me the wrong way when I met him. And he was really acting very insecure. And now whenever I see him, even though he's supposed to be this like hot stud, I'm sort of like, oh, I feel a little bad for him. I don't still find him attractive necessarily because of my experience with him. Not that he was mean or rude or anything like that, but he was just like insecure. It was weird. Will you give give me three guesses? Okay. Oh, you're actually going to give me three guesses? Yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, wow. Because I was going to make a joke. But now if you're actually giving me three guesses, I feel like the audience wants me to be serious. Ryan Gosling. No. Oh. I've never met Ryan Gosling. Okay. Chris Evans? No, and I've never met Chris Evans either. Oh, fuck. You should meet all these dudes if you can. (laughs) No offense, Pat, but come on. You gotta. You gotta meet them if you can. Oh man, this is gonna be tough. Um, geez, a, a lot because I'm not on Tumblr and Instagram really, so it's gonna be hard for me. It's really hard. Oh no, that he's too young. You wouldn't have met him. People are screaming at their iPods right now. <laughs> at their, their iPods. iPods. <laughs> their original iPods. <laughs> They're screaming because it's the battery's dying because it is 20 years old. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, uh. Oh, I can't confirm or deny. I'm going to beep that. Sure. Um, but you did guess it, yeah. Oh, Anyways. okay. So it's yeah. Tom Berenger. I can't believe Tom Berenger is such a piece of shit. He's not. No. <laughs> he is not a piece of shit at all. He's, he's a very nice person. Yeah. Like, and was very kind and nice. And I've only seen him do, like, be a kind and nice person. But there's just, like, I, there's a level of, like, insecurity there. Yeah. Um, that it's hard to ignore. And it was just after that, you're just sort of like, mm. I. but I also do feel like attractiveness is like very subjective. I remember a friend in college, I ran into him and he was like, oh my God, he's like, I can't talk. He's like, I met this girl and she's the most beautiful girl. And she asked me a question. I couldn't answer the question. She was like, he was like blown away by this person. And I was like, oh my God, I want to meet this most hottest woman who's ever lived. Yeah this guy can't talk and he was also like a like a charmer like dated around a lot in college i was like oh wow she must be something and then i met her and she was like fine looking and she was fine and i was like i don't what am i missing here but i think it was just like for him it rung a few bells you know yeah and that's good and that's nice but i think yeah so it, it makes sense to me. I don't know if I was going to build a, a human that would then be animated, I would probably try to make him as hot as possible as well. Well, absolutely. And the other thing, too, is that this is a romance. And that is part of that where you want to have the idealized version of your mate. Mm-hmm. But what this does do is really make Helix a pretty awesome dude who can articulate what they're feeling most of the time, at least at the beginning, until he starts getting jealous, which is something he's never felt before. And it it really was funny because it does show how an AI can think so logically. And it you think that's, wow, that's the way to live. That's the way to be. But then you also can't be open to love in these kind of gray areas that make being human interesting and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. 
so I really liked that the the way they played with it. The consent thing was really interesting with me because there was like so much consent, which mm-hmm. in a lot of romance novels would seem to be too much, but it worked really well here. And 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 I also don't think there can be I don't I don't want to act like there could be too much consent. There there can always be more consent in the world. But it was just really interesting to see that happen and be used in a way that I don't think was cloying and really shows you that consent can be very, very, very sexy and uh, and also not a big deal. Not a big right. deal to want and ask for. Exactly. What I think also, like, you know, talking about, like, Hualu making him, like, very hot, like, I do think she also, these were all things that she was actively thinking of as well. And because we get to be in both of their point of views, we know that it's something that she's worried about and she specifically stays away from him for a little bit. And she's like, I want you to form relationships with other people. I don't want you to depend on me for everything because like that is a power imbalance that is inappropriate. True. Yeah. And something else that's really interesting about this book and the questions is how Helix has to also navigate just identity. So within Trillian, it seems like people are, they can choose their gender. And it seems like in a like a very fluid way, um, which I found really interesting because obviously like that's so much to unpack and there are people much, much smarter than us <laughs> talking about yeah. that. But I think this idea, it's like, you know, most people don't think a lot about their gender. And normally people only do think about it when it is an issue or when, you know, they want like they neither gender affirmed a different than what like their biological sex is at birth and that's a really difficult big conversation but sort of the only people having those big thoughts are the people who are kind of forced into it and I did think it was an interesting idea to just have it be like okay well at a certain stage everybody decides on their gender which Mm -hmm. I guess now that I'm talking about it too like I guess that happens too but for most people, if you are cis, you don't ever have this like time when you're like, is this really who I am? But at a certain stage in your life, you're like, yes, I, I'm born in a female body and I feel female. And so like everything's copacetic. But I feel like it's interesting to think like, were you to just be thrown into a body as an adult, how would you feel about that? And how would how much would it take getting used to? And how would you want to be touched and how who would you be attracted to and who who would you feel like you were as a person I think those are all really interesting questions that it's like you don't normally have to think about you know yeah because they the Trillin the way they are born they have the capability of being both so they have all have two different sex organs Mm -hmm. and you can choose whether or not choose I guess you either like the way one of them feels or both of them feel. So there's a lot of options there. And it doesn't feel like a crisis for them, right? It's just a decision. It's mm-hmm. just a decision made after figuring out certain things. And I thought that was really interesting. And it was played that way where Kualu is femme for now. That's how she, I guess, identifies. Helix isn't sure Still, I think mm-hmm. Helix wanted to be referred to as a he, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not a uh, female. Well, at the end of the book, he decides he wants to change it and it's they. So maybe 
we should start calling them they. Because I, I think they are still up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that also makes it interesting, too, about her making this, like, perfect specimen. It's like, if gender doesn't exist in the sort of binary way that we picture it now, it's not like she decided to make a male version or a female version based on what she was attracted to. Mm. She just sort of made a person and then was very attracted to them. So I think that's different, too. Um, that is such an interesting, yeah. It, it, see, that's the thing is like Anne plays with such interesting things. And I, I I just was so bummed when it just became a space thing. And I just don't like space things. And, I, I, you know, unless it has something to do with the larger narrative or, you know, I just, once they were put around other people, it just became a, well... I'm realizing I'm jealous now and all these things, which was great because you needed to have those things happen. You needed to put impediments in front of the hero and the heroine, but it just felt rot to me. It felt like this could have been in any book and I wanted things to be specific to this book and its ideas and how fascinating they were. Right. Well, and I also think you had the that jealousy and stuff in like the art museum when you run into like the guy that her mothers had set her up with oh grab it kind of a yeah he was kind of a prick so it yeah i mean i think the thing is it's like a gear she's on such a different level than most people writing right now Mm -hmm. as far as like what she's doing the things she's exploring the characterizations all of these things and like to get two people who do not like sci-fi, <laughs> like, yes, we will just say it. We don't like aliens and we don't like sci-fi to be like excited and uh, and obsessed with these books and to be like literally recommending Strange Love to anyone who will listen is amazing. So it's like the th- when we're picking on stuff with her, too, I feel like it's like a little bit of being nitpicky. But yeah. Yes. I think yeah. also, yeah, in general, I don't know that I have ever read action prolonged action in a book and ever found it interesting Mm -hmm. i just don't it's not the medium for it and it's like if there's an explosion if somebody's shot i don't necessarily want to see someone get shot but i want like what's the emotional fallout of that person getting hurt or you know what i mean like that's what i'm here for when it's just like something is attacking and what is i'm just like i'm bored out of my gourd i am like "Mm, i don't care so I, I don't even know that that's necessarily her fault. It's just. Yeah, it's our proclivities. Yeah, it's because not. Yeah, it's not something I'm interested in. What was so great in Strangelove was that there would be times during they had to do physical actions during a tournament. And mm-hmm. sometimes it'd just be like, they won. And and then it yeah. was what happened after. And I love, we we loved that. With all that said. It wasn't like the action was bad or or poorly written. It was still at a high level. And it was still at like a higher level than some other sci-fi that I've read. But it just wasn't the most interesting part of the book. No, but I also think it's like, I don't know. I'm sure there's someone who writes amazing like battle scenes. And I haven't read it yet, so. Yeah, I'm but just, also like we're not, not seeking it out. For. Right, exactly. 
And uh, yeah, and it's that's what Strange Love was amazing because it was just like, oh, they won. Oh, it looked dangerous, but then they did it. Okay, cool. That's all I need to know. I think that's also the issue probably with like sports romances too. If I hear too much about any game, I'm like, yawn. I don't really mm-hmm. care. I'm not here for that. Um, that's why Space Champion was so fun. Wasn't that oh, what yeah. it was called? Space Champion? That was really fun, actually. So maybe we do like alien romance. <laughs> I think we like very specific ones. And I think that's yeah. like any, there's some people who will read any sort of fantasy or sci-fi. And then there's people mm-hmm. like us who have very specific things that we will read in in that milieu. Ugh. And when things don't. Oh, I thought you meant the, the milieu, the, remember that one? Oh, the no. God, I almost gagged when you said milieu. <laughs> so but yeah i think the thing with this book is i would still recommend it only because of the it brings up such interesting things and we haven't even talked about the fact that you know i hate having a meat sack put put me in like a fake body i've dreamt about this if there was a scientist who was like, I, I am experimenting on taking people's consciousness and putting them into machines. I would say, sign me up. As long uh-huh. as I would still be mobile. That's the thing. I don't want to be in a ship. I don't want to be a, a, a program inside a ship. I want to have legs. I want to have arms. But I don't want to have meat. Because it's yeah. just too much. It's just there's so many things to maintain on it. And it's and, and it's one of those things where it's like, give me a machine. Give me something that I could just go somewhere and it's very simple to fix. Yeah. And, and that's, like, it's a dream. it is a dream of mine to be put into a mechanical body. So listen, if there's any scientists out there, now legit scientists, I need somebody who actually, you know, show me certification. I'm not just mm-hmm. going to take your word for it before you bring the circular saw out and start lopping my head off, right? I need certif- certificates. I need some sort of corroboration. I will make a few phone calls. You will need to have references. But otherwise, if you think that you could put me into a mechanical body, email us. Yeah. And people think I'm joking. I'm not. No, there was too much about this. Like, I think if somebody wants to really know the way that you think, I think... A good place to start would be to read this book. <laughs> how I feel about my body is how and how Helix you feel about your body. Yeah, is how pretty Felix much feels Helix. about his body at the beginning of getting a body. Right, just at the beginning. Like once he's comfortable with it, he's into it. Then that's no longer Clayton. We've moved past Clayton. Well, but he's I think- a better man than me. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You don't think about what it is to have a body that much. Oh, well, I something- think about it all the time. Oh no, you. Th- obsess about it but i think you know the average person doesn't think about it as quite as much as you do yeah well the other thing about the book too that i think is interesting is because helix is an ai he has feelings but so much of romance i think is a lot about misunderstandings and it's about people saying the wrong things or trying to protect themselves and so they aren't truthful and that leads to a lot of plot because somebody didn't say something and there was a misunderstanding. And I think the thing with this book is that doesn't exist because Helix basically is just like, ah, uh, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy told me that I sh- it's better off if I leave you. So I booked you a flight home. And she's like, no, I don't want that. And so he's like, okay, I don't want that either, actually. 
And it's all very resolved very quickly. So I wonder, too, if like maybe all of that action was put in because she was just like, uh, I don't know what kind of like weird misunderstanding or how they could get upset at each other because they are just so upfront and honest at all times. That's true. You know, so there could have been that, too. You had to create external forces in order mm-hmm. to make those things happen. Uh, although we did at the end, we get to hang out with Xylar. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. And uh, Snap, who I forgot how much I liked. Oh, Snaps was amazing. Barrel was back. Barrel's back. Got a baby. Mm-hmm. They're living in the wasteland. She loved it, though. She loved it because like, at the I think we're going to move on. He was like, let's not. I like it here. Yeah. At the end of the last book, they had to downgrade mm-hmm. because they had to leave like the ritzy part and then they were in this kind of bad part. But then she was making it a home, which was really sweet. And now they have a home. And there was even yeah. a sign outside that said, welcome to our home. It's just it was nice to see them. And I was hoping that we would see them. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty satisfying. That was worth it. Yeah. Seeing them. I mean, the moment, too, where, like, so Kualu and he, like, show up and Beryl answers the door is like, mm, who are you? Like, I think you have the wrong house. And he's like, I'm Helix. And so they come in and they do that weird thing where you, like, have something to discuss, but you don't want to discuss it until, like, someone else gets there. So you do this weird, like, fake talking about other things, even though everyone really wants to be on a different topic. <laughs> And then I love the idea that like Snaps already told Xylar that they had visitors and he opens the door and he's like, we have visitors. And uh-huh. I don't know why that moment, like my heart burst open. I was just like so happy because I'm like, oh, my God, you could tell they have such like a sweet little life. Yeah. Th- that he's just excited to come home to her. And I yeah, I I love the two of them. They are really cute. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll end up doing renegade love for sure. Um, A hundred percent. Do you have anything else to add? No, just would you fuck them? Well, yeah. Would you fuck them, Aaron? I don't think so. But I'm happy that they have each other. Yeah, no. You wouldn't rub your tendrils on their tendrils. (laughs) Whenever there were sex scenes, I was just sort of like skimming, skimming, skimming. Because I was like, I don't really understand what's happening. And it's fine. And I'm happy this is happening for them. But it's, it's doing nothing for me. It was cool when they both masturbated, though, separately. Oh, loved that. Well, I do think it was really important that they show Helix masturbating before he ever, like, engages in any sort of sexual activity with anyone else. Because, like, that is important to masturbate um, as part of, like, learning about yourself and learning about sex. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think I, you know, no, you know, Helix I would. Okay. I just, I don't know, just because I feel like I am a kindred spirit to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like I would. You can't pass maybe he, maybe he could teach me a lesson. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so only Helix, I think. Um, So it was only on one Goodreads list. I mean, this is a very new book. It came out in January. It came out last month. So the only list was January 2021, most anticipated romance book releases. I would agree with it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was anticipating it because I would go on Amazon every once in a while and look for this book. Um, All right, Clayton, what are your tropes? So we've got fake relationship because they start out. She the reason she wants Helix around is to make sure that her her family pod doesn't set her up with any other suitors. Mm -hmm. Hero and heroine respect consent. 
fugitive lovers because they go on the run, Frankenstein romance, <laughs> new body, who dis, <laughs> and heroin teaches hero how to shit. Yeah, it's important. That is the first time we've come across that trope, I believe, unless I'm forgetting. Erin, <laughs> what are your tropes? Uh, stranger in a strange land, creator creation, and then in parentheses, weird science. Learning new customs, virgin hero, pets and romance, alien romance, love on the run, heroin is kidnapped. Oh, that's consent right. Is, yeah, consent is sexy. Mm-hmm. A lot of consent in this. I like that. Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Oh, we're that we're at that point. Jeez, okay. I thought there was another section. Is there's no other section? What it? Oh, because Goodreads was so short. Yeah, Goodreads was very short. I'm used to that. Okay, so this is gonna sound pretty basic, but I've gotten really into Taskmaster over the last couple weeks. It's a British show. It's kind of a panel show, if anybody knows what that is. Most people who listen to the show probably know what an English panel show is. It's five comedians are given all these different tasks. They either have to work together or work apart. And it's just really fun. And I was watching clips of it. I'd be, because it's all over YouTube. I was watching clips of it and I thought it was fun. But then I started watching a whole series of it. And you really need to watch the series because the interplay between all the contestants and the hosts are so fun because it's a, it started out as five episodes and it was eight. Now it's 10. And they, the points that they get add up uh, to the end of the series where there's a, a winner to the whole series. Cause there's episode mm-hmm. winners and then there's series winners And the interplay between the, the players during the series is so fun that I'm just really kind of obsessed with it. I was up way too late last night watching episodes because <laughs> I've been skipping around the series because I've heard that some of the series are better than others. And also there's comedians in some of the series that I really wanted to see. So I started out with series two, which I really liked. Series four, it was really great because Noel Fielding's in it, which... Oh, I was going to ask if Noel was in it. He's my favorite. Oh, have you watched it? No, but from British Bake Off. No, but have you watched Taskmaster? I'm sure I have. I don't remember. I don't. Maybe I haven't. Watch series four because that Noel's in it and it's nice. awesome. And then there's I'm watching series seven right now, which has Rod Gilbert, who's a guy that I really loved from he he did the last series of Nevermind the Buzzcocks before it got canceled. Boo. And James A. Caster, who is Totally hilarious, and I love. He has two books out that I've read. He has a podcast called Off Menu, which is awesome, too. Check that out. And, yeah, I'm just really obsessed with it. So, Taskmaster. All the series are available in the U.S. on YouTube. Full episodes. Nice. So, check that out. Aaron, what has you swooning? So, obviously, there's so much that happened over the break that it was very swoon-worthy. But I think the thing that I have been actively loving is Dickinson. So, it's in the second season now. It's an Apple original. So, get Apple for Ted Lasso and then stay for Dickinson is what I have to suggest. Um, It is about the poet Emily Dickinson. Um, And the woman who runs the show is, like, the head writer is uh, Elena Smith. And she 
is just I think there are just some people who are on a different plane creatively and I just think she is because this show is beautiful and has such a specific point of view and is so interesting and it is so unlike anything else happening in that it's a it's about Emily's life when she is like late teens early 20s she's in love with her sister-in-law she's trying to find her place in the world so it's like a very you know what you would expect of kind of coming of age it obviously takes place in the past but the way that they do do the updating of language or expressions or certain um musical cues and things like that is so fascinating and fresh and interesting and really bright and so adds to the story in a way that I feel like and not to shit on Bridgerton but there are times where those things are deployed and they are just not done with a level of care and thought and integration into story that Dickinson is doing it with which is just absolutely brilliant it's a show a lot also about like death and legacy and all these really really big subjects but it's also really funny and really fun to watch well so all you have to do to get apple plus is buy a new ipad (laughs) buy a new phone buy a new computer if you've been Mm -hmm. wanting one of those things they'll give it they'll give you a free year i actually have apple tv plus still from when i bought my computer last october because they keep extending the free trial (laughs) so i have it until summer i think now which is great but we know if i do run out of the free one i'm gonna resubscribe because of ted lasso yes so don't forget rate review subscribe you guys have been really awesome about doing that we so appreciate it so if you haven't yet you want to take the time we would love it uh email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com let us know your thoughts about anything we've said about recommendations anything at all uh, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Uh, we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. A lot of people have been joining lately, which is very fun. Um, you know, and a little bit scary. I, I like how many people want to connect with other listeners. I think that's so cool. And we also have merch, which is linked below if you want some merch. Uh, and that's it. All right, yeah, Clayton, we do. bye. We, Oops. Bye. That was so quick. <laughs> we don't have a sign off. We need to. Should we figure out a sign off? Should here? Should the sign off be? Do we make it a contest? Do we just ask people, what do you want the sign off to be, and then we pick one? Okay, let's do that. So, so email us with your idea for what we should say as a sign off. Yeah. And if we pick it, guess should we figure out something we can send somebody? Yeah, we'll send you a shirt or something. We'll send you yeah, some merch. Yeah, fun. Um, and we maybe in the Facebook group too. You can start a post. Me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> me? I'm like looking around like there's somebody else. Oh, she couldn't be talking about me, right? Yeah, but till next time. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>